Kathy, shalom and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Usually I have a little bit of an intro uploaded and I forgot to upload that here today. So as soon as I hit the button, it was like, oh, I got, I got to be behind the camera. Got to be ready to go. <laughs> but it's great to be with all of you here today at uh, Baruch B'Shem Yeshua. And I wanted to give a little bit of an announcement. Next week, uh, the Roku channel is going to be going live. So that's something that we are very excited about. And also, we will also be taking these videos of the topical teachings and of the Torah portion. And we will be uploading them onto the uh, Baruch B'Shem Yeshua uh, podcast as well. So you guys will be getting a whole lot more over there. I tried to uh, make it so that, uh, you know, different stuff was on the podcast than what was in the video. But uh, we kind of decided to go a different way with it and to kind of conjoin all those things together. So some changes will be happening to the podcast and a lot more frequent um, episodes on there. And if you are not familiar with the podcast, you can go over to the website that is uh, scrolling below the, over there, which is uh, the uh, guitarrabbi.com. Again, that's guitarrabbi.com. Or you can go into Apple Podcasts and search for Baruch B'Shem Yeshua. Now, one of the things I'm going to be talking about here today is we are starting a series that is responding to the anti-missionaries. Years ago, I ended up putting together a book that was a response to every single tape that was within the tape set. Yes, this shows you how far back this goes to a tape set that has been indeed modernized and is digitized, and you can now get in CD and thumbnail and all that stuff by uh, Rabbi Tobia Singer, known as Let's Get Biblical. And for those of you who don't know, for many years, I myself was an anti-missionary. And so the thing is that I bought into many of the things that we are going to be um, discussing that Mr. Singer had said in his series. But then upon learning Chazel, learning the sages, learning Talmud, learning the, uh, the languages and all this, um, through that process, I ended up again becoming a believer in Yeshua, and I did so with a whole lot more evidence under my belt and more assurance than I have ever had in this. And so a couple of years later, after going and uh, getting converted and then later on ordained and all that stuff, I ended up having a debate with Mr. Tovia Singer. Now, the interesting thing is that with this, this was during the time that I was on radio, and there were contracts going every single which way, and there had to be a sign-off after it was over with, after it was streamed on the online platforms for it to go up in the podcast form and all that stuff. There had to be a mutual agreement in terms of that. If one person said, no, it doesn't go up, then it didn't go up. But luckily, during this time, there were things called uh, Stream Ripper that people had. So when the online stream happened, people were ripping the audio 
of it. And I, throughout the years, would end up finding this clip here, that clip there, and so on and so forth. And one of the ones that has been passed around the most is a clip where it is that uh, Tovia Singer, the world's leading anti-missionary, finds out that I know Hebrew, and he knows that this is not going to go very well for him. Because the thing you have to understand with anti-missionaries is they will debate people like Kirk Cameron. They will debate people like Ray Comfort. They will debate people in the Christian realm because of the fact, and nothing against my Christian brethren at all in any way, shape, or form, but it's a different animal. Judaism is a different animal. There is other texts that it is you have to know about. You have to be proficient in Hebrew. You have to be proficient, or mildly so, in Aramaic. And you have to be you have to know what Talmud says. You have to know what Rashi says. You have to uh, you know, be familiar with the Rambam. And you have to be familiar with the founder of the sect of Judaism that you're a part of. So there's a lot of stuff that you need to be familiarized with. And the same is true within Christianity. Like, you know, for instance, if you are a Methodist and a Methodist is debating a Baptist, a Baptist needs to know about John Wesley. And the the Methodist needs to know about John Calvin because those, you know, texts and those foundations are where it is that uh, they get a lot of their theology from. So, you know, it's good to be aware of those things. So what happens is the anti-missionaries will always end up saying things such as Judaism has never believed that. And they take what I like to refer to as the Kairite route. Now, what is the Kairite route? The Kairite route is is essentially um, not paying attention to Talmud, pretending it doesn't even exist. And so if you're if a person's able to do that, then they can't be fact-checked on what Talmud and Hazel, what all these things say. So if they can't be fact-checked in those things and what those things say, then, you know, it's to the upper hand of the person who is choosing to not allow those things to be a part of the debate and acting like they don't exist because those things will work against them. Those things always work against the anti-missionaries. They never work in their favor. But they get so wigged out. When they realize you know Hebrew. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip. All right? Go and check this out. 53, starting at verse 3, it says, He was despised, isolated from men, a man of pains and accustomed to illness. That's not correct. That's not correct. It, it does say uh, that. It doesn't say that. Like, oh, it does say that. I'm but reading from the Stone Edition of Tanakh here. It does indeed say that. Now, let me ask uh, you, what does the word who mean? No, 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 no. Uh, the word, no what does the word who mean? Any of these In Hebrew, language, what does who mean? Would have said what Jesus supposedly said. Answer the question. You go to Matthew 5. Jesus says, You have heard. No, 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 no. What does the word who mean? Not not Matthew 5. What does who mean? Rabbi Singer, are you there? Well, it appears that he is hung up on us. Okay, so what we had happen over there is Rabbi Singer 
got wigged out and he said, um, you know, to not re-air that. They were not allowed to be uploaded on the podcast and all that stuff. And it seems that my chroma keys acted a little bit uh, goofy there. Let me see if I can fix this slightly here as we continue on and as I go and explain all of this to you. Okay. And so, first of all, we're going to go to Isaiah 53. Going to read some passages out of that. And I'm going to explain what it is that I was trying to talk about within that debate. Okay. So if we go to the first slide here, it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that he should look at him and no beauty that he should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and um, acquainted with grief and the one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteem him not. Surely he was born of our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. When looking at passages like this, the anti-missionaries will say, this passage is not talking about the Messiah of Israel. A lot of the times they kind of start the conversation with, why is it that I need to believe in Yeshua? Where, show me in the Torah where it says that I need a Messiah. The thing that you'll learn throughout this series is the concept of Messiah is something that is deeply ingrained within that of Jewish thought and within that of the rabbinic texts. That's why it is the Kairitism really operates to the advantage of the anti-missionaries because these texts are not looked at in order to counter their arguments. The languages and the texts, we were reading this, as a matter of fact, straight out of the Art Scroll Tanakh. Art scroll, their um, their Chomish, their Tanakh, um, was written by believers, uh, translated by people who were not believers in Yeshua. Okay, you're not going to find any text within that of um, Art Scroll and their publication company that says that Yeshua is the Messiah. You know, they're not going to have any of that in any of their texts, or that they know of. There's something in the Maksur for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that is very interesting from uh, from um, Art Scroll, but uh, you know well, that's something to talk about another day. So I'm going to talk about. You heard me in that audio saying, "What does the word who mean? What does that mean?" There's two words that we have to understand in Hebrew, and this is taken from the Hebrew side of the page from the Stone Edition Tanakh, which is the Masoretic text. Okay. Now, the word ish or ish only means a singular man. And we have every time that the word ish or a couple of times that the word ish is used in this verse. It's always singular. It's never for that of a plural. Now, the word who 
means a singular he. And we got went and uh, circled some of the places where you see the word who within these texts. It is not in terms of a collective because these nouns and these pronouns are not plural. So therefore, the case for Israel, even on a Kairite level, as long as the Hebrew text exists, cannot be the case. Now, one of the things that I always tell people to do when they're starting out in their walk and they're, you know, looking around at different Bibles and all that stuff, you know, for the Christians, I always say, you know, an Amplified Bible is really going to help you with your Christian theology, is really going to help you with those, um, with, with understanding the text. Because what does an Amplified Bible do? An Amplified Bible kind of fills in the gaps. You know, I don't quite understand this this text. Well, it goes and takes it and kind of simplifies it. And I don't want to say adds to it because people go and take that and run with some, but it, it explains it. It explains it. Well, there's a version of this in ancient Jewish texts that comes from the second century BCE, and they're known as the Targums. Now, let me give you a little bit of history on the Targums. The Targums are an Aramaic translation of the Torah and certain parts of the Tanakh. There's two Targumim, which is the plural. Targum is singular. Targumim are plural. There are two different ones. There's Ankelos, and there's Targum Yonahan. Okay? Now, the thing with the Targums is there will be times in the scripture, like, you know, you may know this verse from um, the book of Genesis, where it says, until Sheol comes. Okay? Now, the thing is, the Targums relate this whole thing to what was known in Jewish thought at the time? Things that are written in the Gemara and Mishnah section of the Talmud. And so they will use those things to clarify it. So in the Targums, it doesn't say until Sheol comes because within Jewish thoughts, within that of the Talmud, it says that Sheol is one of the names for the Mashiach. So what the Targums did is when that was translated, they translated not Sheol because they were arguing what that means. And they're like, that's one of the names of the Messiah. It says until Sheol comes. So they're like, okay, well, that's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. So what happens is it doesn't say Sheol within the Aramaic Targums. It says Meshicha, which means until the Messiah comes. Meshicha is the Aramaic form of Mashiach, okay? So one of the things that we always have to do when we're checking the anti-missionaries and seeing if they're being honest with us is to go to the Targums. So this is from the Targums of Jonathan, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. It is the will of the Lord to purify and acquit his innocent and the remnant of his people to cleanse the souls of sin so that they may see the kingdom of their Messiah. Have many sons and daughters. Enjoy a long life and observe the Torah of the Lord. Prospering um, according to his 
well. Okay? Now that right there, that is huge. Because the Targums were not written by Christians. They were written by Jews. They were written by Orthodox Jews. Okay, so this is uh, strike number two so far to the anti-missionaries at Tovia Singers and their claims that Isaiah 53 is not about the Messiah. But we have a lot more proofs to bring you. For instance, this one right here is from Sukkah 52a of the Talmud. This is a very interesting passage. It says, what is the cause of the morning? Mentioned in the last cited verse. Defer on the point, one explained. The cause is the slaying of Messiah. The slaying of what? The Messiah. The son of Joseph. Others explain the cause is the slaying of the evil inclination. It is well according to him who explains that the cause is the slaying of the Messiah, the son of Joseph, since that well agrees with the scriptural verse, and they shall look upon me because they have thrust him through, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. But according to him who explains the cause to be the slaying of the evil inclination, is this, it may be objective, an occasion for mourning? Is it not rather an occasion for rejoicing? Why then should they weep? The explanation is, as Rabbi Judah expounded, in the time of the Holy, the Holy One, blessed be he, will bring the evil inclination and slay it in the presence of righteousness and the wicked to the righteous. It will have the appearance of a towering hill and to the wicked, it will have the appearance of a hair thread. Both the former and the latter will reap Will, will weep, the righteous will weep, saying, how were we able to overcome such a towering hill? The wicked will weep, saying, how is it that we were unable to conquer this hair thread? And the Holy One, blessed be he, will also marvel together with them. As it is said, thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of his people in those days, it shall be marvelous in my eyes. That is Sukkah 52a in the Talmud. It talks about Messiah ben Joseph being slayed. That's very interesting. But then they get into this whole discussion of, is it the Messiah? But they quote Isaiah 53. It's very interesting because they're saying, everybody knows that's about the Messiah. But it's interesting because they say, is it the slaying of Messiah? Or the inner Satan, the evil inclination. The thing with Judaism, the thing we have to understand is we have this concept of Sheva'im Panim Latara. That it could be two different ideas and they both be right. <laughs> because when a person accepts the Messiah, as Romans 10.9 says, that he died, was buried, and resurrection and resurrected, what happens? The slaying of our Yetzirah begins. We realize we have a Yetzirah. 
we have an evil inclination, we realize that we are not good enough without Messiah. We accept upon ourselves that of a Rebbe, the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach, Yeshua HaNotzri, who is Hashem in the flesh. That's another premise that we will get into in this series as well. The concept of God in the flesh. Is that a Jewish concept? Oh, it very much is. It very much is. But we got some more evidences as well. So far, we've looked at Talmud. We've looked at the, at the Targums. We've looked at the Hebrew language within these verses. Then we're going to go to the heights of Judaism. We're going to go to Kabbalist sources. We're going to look at what the Zohar says. The Zohar says this. There is in the Garden of Eden a palace named the Palace of the Sons of Sickness. This palace, the Messiah enters, and he summons every pain and every chastisement of Israel. All of these come and rest upon him. And had he not thus licensed them upon himself? There had been no man able to bear Israel's chastisements for the transgressions of the law. As it is written, where is it written? Oh, Isaiah 53. Surely our sicknesses he has carried. Okay? So far, I have yet to see. And it's interesting because Singer and the rest of the anti-missionaries say, there is not a single Jew on the planet that has ever believed that Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah. Not a single one. Well, so far, we have seen that the rabbis of the Talmud think it is. We see that Ankelos and Yonatan thought it was when translating the Targumim. So far, we have seen that Shimon Bar Yochai, who had written the Zohar, believed this is the case as well. But we're going to go back to Talmud again. We're going to give even more evidences of this. No Jew has ever believed this. In Sanhedrin 98a, and we got several slides for Sanhedrin 98a, it is one of my favorite parts of the Talmud. It says Rabbi Joshua came upon the prophet Elijah, and he was standing at the entrance of Rabbi Shimon ben Yoni's cave. And he said to him, when is the Messiah coming? The other replied, said, go and ask him, where shall we find him? Before the gate of Rome. By what sign will I know him? He is sitting among the poor people, covered with wounds. As it says in Isaiah, Chapter 53, verse 5. There's a lot to unpack here, and we're going to unpack some of it. These are things that I have talked about on the show before. It's interesting. They say that he's at the gates of Rome. That's very odd. That's very odd. Because at this time in the Talmud, it also says that Rome is Amalek. Okay, we all know the story of the Jewish people of the children of Israel fighting 
a war with Amalek. We all know that story. And then later on, the sages say later on that it is no longer Rome, that it's now Islam. Okay? But when they mention Rome, when mentioning Rome in these rabbinic texts that are uniform across that of all of Judaism, what they're essentially saying here is that Rome has the Messiah. Rome is often used for the Catholic Church. Now, this is in the Gemara section, which was later than the Mishnah. The Gemara is there to explain the Mishnah through that of story. Okay? And so there's a lot of things in terms of idiomatic expression and worldview that we have to understand with this. So are they saying that the Roman Catholic view of the Messiah is the correct view? No. But they're saying they know who he is. So the thing is, they're not endorsing the Roman Catholic view. Let me just make sure I got that straight here with you. All right. So we got another quotation as well from Sanhedrin 98a in the Talmud. And it says, and the Rabbanon says, that the Messiah's name is the suffering scholar of the rabbi's house or the leper scholar. For it is written, surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Well, According to the anti-missionary so far, none of these rabbis are Jewish. None of the guys that said these things are Jewish. No Jew has ever believed that Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah, according to Tobias Singer and Jews for Judaism. Sanhedrin 98a again says, the Messiah, what is his name? The house of Rabbi Judah said, um, and the Holy One says, the sick one. Surely he has borne our sickness. As it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, that verse yet again quoted. So we've gone through Talmud. We've gone through the Zohar, the Kabbalist texts of Judaism. We've gone to the Targums. We've gone to the Hebrew language. This is four strikes so far against the claim. What else do we have? Well, we have this from Perik HaShalom, a numbers rabbah in Isaiah 52, 7. Rabbi Jose, the Galilean said, great is peace. For at an hour the Mashiach reveals himself unto Israel, he will begin in no other way than, the peace at, uh, than with peace as it is written. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messengers of good news that announce peace. Whenever looking at scripture, we always have to look at context. So considering that they're talking about Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, the thing I always tell people is, you know, before you have, you think you have the context of a verse, read the entire chapter, read the chapter before it, read the chapter after it. 
because that will give you more of the context of what it is that you need so you know what exactly what it says as so you're not quoting something way out in left field. So that is strike number five for the anti-missionaries. Strike number five. But we still have more. One of the greatest minds in Judaism, somebody that every Jew holds in high esteem, is Maimonides, also known as the Rambam. Now this, the Rambam, looks at Isaiah 52, and he says this. He said, regarding the mission by which Messiah will present himself, Isaiah states, saying this is about Messiah. He will grow like a tender plant and as a root out of dry land. At him will kings shut their mouths. For what have been told unto them shall they see that they have never heard shall they understand. So, so according to, to, to Rabbi Singer, Jews for Judaism, the anti-missionaries, the Rambam is not Jew, Jewish. Him and his people were persecuted because of their Judaism. During the time of the Spanish Inquisition, the Rambam's people were highly persecuted and killed during the time of the Spanish Inquisition. But according to Rabbi Singer, this is a concept that the Rambam never held. There's another set of books that I have. And we'll be here to my side. Five books known as the Bahaturim. The Bahaturim means the master of numbers. This was a very famous Kabbalistic rabbi in uh, the, the early thousands, I guess would be the best way to put it, around the time of the 12th century. But the Bahaturim, what he would do a lot of the times is um, he would go and look at the Hebrew text and use gematria and, you know, look at things from, from that vantage point. You know, and when you read the Bahaturim, I'll tell you, every time I read his stuff in my Torah studies, my, my mind wants to explode. The guys were just so smart. Him and uh, Orchachim and quite a few because of Orchachim. Guy will write four or five pages of commentary of one line of one verse. I mean, and he gets deep. I mean, really deep. And the Bahaturim, he doesn't eat you into it. He just kind of throws you in there and says, We're gonna we're we're, we're gonna get serious here. And so this is from the Bahaturim on Vaikra or Leviticus chapter 16, verse 4. It's very interesting what he says here. He says, He shall sprinkle, which is part of the verse. Okay, that's part of the verse here. This is what he's comment, commenting on in Vayikra or Leviticus 16 and 14. He says the, 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 the Masoretic note of Beit Yod means that the word appears twice in the Tanakh. One here and I and one will the many nations ex, um, exclaim. Isaiah 52, 15. In the passage beginning, behold, my servant will succeed in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, which speaks of the Messiah. 
the Baal Hatarim was not even somebody that a person could read if they were a novice. Okay. Because like I said, you know, even with all of my training and all that stuff, I read the Baal Hatarim and my head wants to explode. Just like when I'm reading the Zohar in Aramaic. My head wants to explode because I got to apply 32 rules and see the Baal Hatarim is applying those 32 rules of so level text, you know, and then it trying to explain them. And still it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. Um, but this is what the Bahatanim says. The fact is that I could give list after list. I could, I could list Rashi. I could talk about what, um, the Maharal has said. I could go on and on and on. But I said to myself, you know what? Seven is a good number to stop on in terms of this teaching, in terms of citation of Isaiah 53 and the proofs that is talking about Messiah. The fact is, I have looked, I have searched, I have looked at tons of citation trying to find the one Jewish source. That is pre-20th century that says that Isaiah 53 is talking about Israel. It's interesting because I have yet to find a single citation of any Jew other than the organization Jews for Judaism founded in the 20th century that says that Isaiah 53 is talking about Israel. And if, if any of the sages were to have ever said that at any point in time, they would be questioned as to why is it that you say that the rabbis of the Talmud are incorrect? Why is it that you say the Rambam is incorrect? Why is it that you're going against every deep-seated concept within Judaism, something that we have taught for thousands of years to give this new interpretation, this new concept. The thing is that halacha and gemara cannot deviate from the Torah Shebektav, from the Torah which is written. It cannot deviate from that, the Ketuvim, the writings, or the Nevi'im, the prophets. That's rule number one. It can never deviate from any of those things. Now, on top of that, after that, you have Hazel that talks about it a little bit further. Then you have the concepts of Agadah and Midrashim, things that are not of Halakha, but however, these are the things... They can be talked about, they can be questioned and all that stuff. It's very interesting that even though there could be 72 explanations for one verse, which is the concept of Shevim Panim Latara, the thing is that there is not one interpretation of Isaiah 53 talking about Israel. For every single sage through Jewish history has maintained that Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah. And Hazel can never go against 
the Talmud, nor that of the Torah, the writings, nor the prophets. They can build upon those things, but they cannot change. They cannot deviate. And this is why it is that having these texts now that were oral for quite a long time, them now being printed in book form that we can purchase and have on our bookshelves is something that is very helpful when combating the anti-missionaries because we can check them. We can be good scholars. We can look at the citation and say, you know what? This holds up or no, it doesn't. Okay, guys, I want to thank all of you for joining me here today. Tomorrow, we are going to have the Torah portion teaching for this week's Parshas, Parshas Sav. And uh, we will have that uh, going probably around 5 o'clock tomorrow would be my guess. That is the time. We had to start a little bit late today with this teaching. And um, usually I try and hit that 5 o'clock mark. I usually try, but you know sometimes I do not succeed. And just know that the audio of this teaching will also be up on Apple Podcasts. I will go and have all of it uploaded tonight. Uh, for you guys to be able to listen to on whatever podcast server. And it will also be on guitarrabbi.com as well. We are going to start putting these teachings, the topical ones, and the Torah portion teachings in the audio podcast. So you guys get more stuff over there. All right. But thank you so much for joining me here today. And let me know, guys, if uh, this has helped in any of your studies. If you have have had to butt heads with the anti-missionaries. And if you feel like after watching this, guess what? I got some ammunition now. I can now hold my own. I hope and I pray that that is what has happened for quite a few of you. I hope and I pray that this teaching has been helpful. Otherwise, I, it's just hot air coming out of my mouth if it's not helpful to you, okay? So let me know. All right, guys? So shalom brocha, peace and a blessing. Thank you so much for joining me here today.